following is a presentation of the Outside Lens Radio Network. And welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Outside Blitz. I am your host, the fabulous one, Scotty Freytown. And, uh, folks, you can hear the noise in the background. I understand that. We've got some construction going on in studio. That's right. Construction going on, but also because of the construction going on, I am the only person here. That's right. This week, folks, week 14, all by myself. Such a sad day, such a sad time, I miss my co-host, but that's okay. I'm back, I'm here, don't worry, I'll still take care of business, just like I always do. The fabulous one here, and uh, yeah, construction going on in, in the studio, we've got hardwood floors getting done, all kinds of stuff. So, it's just me, Boots, and Alex did send their picks in for the week, but they won't be back here until next week, so... For now, folks, it's just going to be me. All right, and uh, week 13's in the books. We had a hellacious week uh, for week 13. Lots going on, a lot of great games. Um, we had a lot of crazy injuries. And, folks, I hope you're okay with the noise in the background because it's going to be going on all episode long. So, But we're going to get through it. We're going to get through it together. And then next week we're going to return to normal. But week 13 is in the books, folks, and I want to jump right into that. Uh, we do have some scores and stuff to go over. So with that, ladies and gentlemen, here are your scores for Week 13 in the NFL. Starting out with the Seahawks and the Cowboys. Thursday night football, man, what a shootout. Man, what a big game. Cowboys get done 41-35. They go out and beat the Seahawks. Seahawks drop to 6-6. Six and six. Cowboys jump to 9-3. and three. Geno Smith and Dak Prescott, man, this was a shootout. Geno Smith, 23 for 41, 334, three touchdowns and a pick. Dak Prescott, 29 for 41, 299, three touchdowns. He did play mistake-free football. And also, DK Metcalf, CD Lamb, man, they just blew the hell up in this game. Just tore the house down. DK, six receptions, 134, three touchdowns on the day. CD Lamb, 12 receptions, 116 and a touchdown. This Cowboys team is firing on all cylinders. The Seahawks seem to have figured out that number one ranked Cowboys defense, though. Kind of an interesting thing, but the Cowboys still get it done. They advance to 9-3, and three, and they're uh, basically getting ready to go into a showdown with the Eagles this upcoming week. Um, in the meantime, the Seahawks, man, they're fighting for their playoff lives, so they've got their work cut out for them. We're going to see how it works out. But they are kind of nipping at the heels of the uh, the Niners, or at least trying to. Uh, the Niners right now are just looking unstoppable at the moment. But the Seahawks, man, they're uh, I think they're currently the sixth seed. They're not on the outside looking in, so they're they're I mean just on the cusp. They're they're fighting for it, so really trying to make it in that wild card uh, spot. Dak Prescott's been looking impressive for several weeks now. Uh, the big showdown with with Philly is next week. He's got a tough schedule coming up, but they're still putting up wins. It's looking like the Cowboys are going to wind up making the playoffs. Um, and, and really, this, this matchup with the Eagles is going to be telling. But also, the Cowboys, they've got a matchup against the Lions coming up here, which I think they're going to kick the ever-loving shit out of the Lions. That's how I think that's going to go. This passing game from Dallas is for real. And Dak Prescott is playing some of the best football of his career. This offense is unstoppable. 
So I want to see what the Cowboys can do against the Eagles this week. See if they can finally uh, put that one to rest and finally take a, take it home and beat the Eagles. But the Cowboys get one done on Thursday night football, 41-35 over Seattle. Uh, next up, the, the Colts go on and beat the Titans 31-28. to You know, <clears throat> this was a comeback victory for the Colts. But the thing about this matchup is, to be perfectly honest with you, there was a lot of special teams gaffes in this one. And, and it was interesting. Nine points came off of special team stuff in this come-from-behind victory. Uh, the punter, Ryan Stonehouse, gets hurt. I mean, just a wild experience here. The Colts, though, they fire back, man. They, the Titans were up. I mean, not, and it wasn't by, like, a ton, but they were up. It was 17-13. It was you know, I mean, they, they were they were in the lead here. And they, they winds up going to overtime and... Hey, the Colts get it done, 31-28. It wasn't pretty. Michael Pittman, 11 receptions, 105 yards, and a touchdown. Gardner Minshew, 26 for 42, 312, two touchdowns on the day. DeAndre Hopkins finally shows up, five receptions, 75 yards, and a touchdown. And Derrick Henry, man, doing Derrick Henry stuff, 21 for 102, two touchdowns. Will Levis played mistake-free football, but he also wasn't exactly accurate. He was 16 for 33, so that's under a 50% completion percentage. He's going to have to work on it. The Colts have a good secondary. And take a look at this. The Colts have won four straight. They're now 7-5. and five. They're in the playoff picture. Who would have thunk it? With Gardner Minshew at quarterback. Yeah, that's right. Minshew mania is running wild again. But the Colts get it done 31-28 in overtime. And we'll be talking about those special teams gaffes in a little bit here. Next up, the Falcons beat the Jets 13 to 18, or I'm sorry, 13 to 8. A low-scoring affair. Two very bad quarterbacks. Desmond Ritter, 12 for 27, 121 and a touchdown. Ugh. Tim Boyle, 14 for 25, 148 and a pick. Ugh. I mean, just a terrible game. Bijan Robinson, 18 carries for 53 yards. The Jets' defense is really, really good. So I kind of get the the trouble for Fal- the Falcons on the offensive side of the football. But the Jets, I mean, it's just brutal. Just brutal. Tim Boyle. Why are you starting Tim Boyle? Like, I get that Zach Wilson is a nightmare. I'm 100% on board with that. But let's not pretend like Tim Boyle's any better. Okay? I mean, Tim Boyle's terrible. He was a third stringer with Detroit. So why are we starting Tim Boyle and pretending like he's some sort of world beater? It just doesn't make sense to me. And Kyle Pitts actually shows up on the stat sheet here. Four receptions for 51 yards. There's a surprise. <clears throat> but at the end of the day, the Falcons get it done in a very low-scoring, brutal game. The Jets' defense is the only thing that keeps them in it. Uh, they're 4-8 and eight now. I mean, they're, they're basically done. They're, that goose is cooked. And the Falcons have a showdown with the Bucks rolling around the corner. Uh, this is going to be a fun one. This is going to be a fun one in the NFC South, even though all of those teams really are hot garbage down there. At, at the end of the day... Uh, it's still going to be a fun one to watch to see who walks home with the, the division title, albeit some terrible football teams. Uh, next up, the Lions beat the Saints 33-28. to All right, folks, let's talk about this. And I look, Lions fans, I know I, every every time somebody says anything negative about the Lions, all you guys say is, well, 9-3, and 9-3. That's all you guys have to say, 9-3. And, and you know what? 9-3 and three against bad teams. 9-3 and three against a bad Saints team. Nine and three against a bad Atlanta team. Nine and three against a bad Carolina team. I mean, like you guys are beating nothing but bad teams. You can't beat anybody good. I I, I stand by that. I've been I've been pounding the desk all all year long about how the Lions can't beat anybody good, and and they go out and beat the Saints team, and you guys are gonna act like you're world beaters. Look, the Lions went up early in this game, 21 points. They were up 21 nothing after the first quarter, and they let the Saints rumble back 
rumble back. It wasn't even like the Saints just like went out with a whimper. Uh-uh. They scored 28 points between the last three quarter, the next three quarters. And what did the Lions do in the, in the next three quarters? What did they do? 12 points. Three in the second, three in the third, six in the fourth. The Lions escaped the New Orleans Saints in this game. And, and that, that's all there is to it. The last three games, the Lions have not played good football. They have escaped these other teams. They, they haven't been, been you know, uh, uh, definitively destroying teams or anything like that. And it's going to look like it because they, they scored 21 in the first quarter in this game. Yeah, yeah, I, I don't buy that because they, that defense has been abysmal. Abysmal. And Derek Carr leaves this game. You know, he winds up getting a concussion. He winds up uh, hurting his back. He's 17 for 22 for 226 and a touchdown. I mean, like, he, he actually came alive here, and he was very accurate. Whether or not anyone wants to admit it, Derek Carr was accurate. Uh, Jameis Winston trots out in the field at, at near the end of the game, two for five, 41 yards. But, and, and they also, they had over 100 yards on the ground, too. Taysom Hill, 13 carries, 59 yards and a touchdown. Alvin Kamara, 14 carries, 51 yards, two touchdowns. I mean, like, the Saints fought here. And Chris Olave had five receptions for 119 yards. And I'm not going to say that the Saints were playing great ball because they weren't. Derek Carr was underthrowing Chris Olave quite a bit. Olave had to come back. But for the Saints to come roaring back and damn near win this football game, damn near drag the Lions down, I mean, it was that was something. That was something to behold. And the Lions are 9-3 and three right now, but I still stand by the fact that they are fool's gold. Lions fans need to put themselves on notice. You've got a showdown with the Cowboys coming up. And they aren't going to play games. I'm not going to sit here and pretend and and play the world of make believe and, and you know act like the Vikings are going to go out and beat the Lions, okay? Because you know they they have two matchups in three weeks against them. But I am going to say that the Lions should be paying close attention instead of and Lions fans should be paying close attention instead of worrying about 93, 93, ooh 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 ooh. You should be worried about the fact that bad teams are giving you problems now and your defense is not playing up to snuff. So the Lions go out, and then they, they escape. 33-28 over the Saints. They advance to 9-3. Saints fall to 5-7. Uh, next up, Texans and the Broncos. The, the Texans, you know, they win this game 22-17. It was a hard, tough, brutal matchup here. It really was. Uh, Tank Dell goes down in this game. He's out for the year. He, went to, he, he breaks his leg. And, and now C.J. Stroud, who does he turn to? The guy who is the de facto number one in the offseason, Nico Collins, and he goes off. Nine receptions, 191, and a touchdown. This was a pretty defensive battle, but when the the uh, uh, when the quarterbacks were, were were on the field, they they still were trying to you know play their hearts out. At certain points, each quarterback got hot. Stroud was the better of the two. He beats out Russell Wilson. Russ Wilson had a little bit of a rough game when he got hot, like later in the game, <clears throat> started firing back. It was like, oh, okay, maybe maybe Russ Wilson. The third quarter, third and fourth quarter, Russell Wilson figured it out a little bit. But, man, he still had three picks in this game, including a game-sealing one. Uh, 15 for 26, 186, one touchdown, three interceptions for him. C.J. Stroud, 16 for 27, 274, and a touchdown. I mean, it wasn't the best game for C.J. Stroud, uh, accuracy-wise. I think that, that Denver defense really, really gave them a run for their money. But Stroud, man, he gets it done, 16 for 27 and a touchdown. Uh, and and the big story though, Nico Collins, man, nine receptions, 191, and a touchdown. Just a huge game for him. I was blown away by it. 
Also, Devin Singletary, he wasn't the guy that was the, the story on the ground either. I mean, Damian Pierce comes out, 15 carries for 41 yards and a touchdown. It's not going to say that 15 carries for 41 is really great, but the Denver defense has been much improved ever since that 70-point spanking that they got at the hands of the Miami Dolphins earlier this season. Damian Pierce, we got to remember, and, and I think Boots brought it up last show, Pierce was drafted by the previous regime. So when he was drafted by that previous regime, He's still, uh, you know, he's he's kind of been ostracized a little bit by his coaching staff. I still believe Damian Pierce is the better runner than Devin Singletary. I just don't know that he's a fit in this system. I think Devin Singletary is probably the better fit in this system. But at the end of the day, Pierce did lead the team in rushing 15 carries, 41 yards, and a touchdown. Uh, so we'll see how that works out moving forward. But the Texans get it done, 22-17. Uh, Texans, man, they're showing some fight. They're at 7-5 and five right now. Who'd have thunk it? C.J. Stroud, man, he is on the cusp of uh, Offensive Rookie of the Year. In the meantime, the Broncos fall to 6-6. Six and six. Man, and they are Rookie of the Year rankings. You're going to hear some crazy stuff, yeah, and, and a lot of people are going to be kind of concerned, especially Boots, uh, about where I ranked C.J. Stroud this week. Uh, next up, Chargers go out and beat the Patriots 6 to nothing. This was a snooze fest. Uh, Justin Herbert, 22 for 37, 212 yards. Austin Eckler, 14 carries for just 18 yards. Uh, Keenan Allen, five receptions for 58. I mean, this was a defensive battle. Uh, Six points were scored in the second quarter, and that was it. What a boring-ass game. Uh, Zeke Elliott, 17 carries for 52 yards. Ramadre Stevenson was out in this game due to the high ankle sprain. Uh, well, he, he got hurt in this game. He got a high ankle sprain, so he left the game. Zeke comes in. He gets the, the bulk of the carries. And uh, Zeke also had four receptions for 40 yards in this game. The Patriots are going to start leaning on Ezekiel Elliott, and they're going to have to lean on Ezekiel Elliott. They do not have a good quarterback. Bailey Zappi was leading the team 13 uh, reset, or I'm sorry, he was 13 for 25 for 141 yards. He was not good, and he was, you know, like the numbers are going to say he was improved on Thursday night, and I mean, to an extent, I guess you're right, but a lot of that had to do with Zeke Elliott. We'll talk about that, but man, weird game, weirdly low scoring game. I feel like we were playing football in the 1950s. The Chargers get to win six to nothing here, and uh, the Chargers advance to five and seven. Patriots fall to an abysmal two and ten. Imagine the Patriots having that high of a draft pick and sitting at 2-10 and ten right now. That's terrifying to me, especially if Bill Belichick remains the head coach after this season. Uh, next up, the Cardinals beat the Steelers 24-10 in somewhat of a shocker. Uh, Kyler Murray, 13 for 23, 145 and a touchdown. James Conner, man, he had the big homecoming. 25 carries, 105 yards, two touchdowns coming off of that the injury there, so he's back. And Trey McBride, man, eight receptions, 89 yards, and a touchdown. I mean, he is the de facto number one tight end. I'm a little surprised. You know, we talked about it last week. They released Zach Ertz. I was a little surprised by it. Trey McBride, though, man, I, 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 I was. He's great. I was expecting sort of dual tight end sets between him and Ertz because you know we've seen that be successful for different teams in the past. Uh, but not in this case. They release Ertz. McBride gets the call, and hey, man, he's making the most of it. He's going to be a special tight end in this league. Additionally, on the Steelers' side, Mitch Trubisky gets the start because Kenny Pickett winds up going uh, ankle surgery, but he hasn't been placed on IR. Kind of interesting. We'll talk about that shortly. But Mitch Trubisky gets the uh, gets the call up here, and he goes 11 for 17, 117, and a touchdown. Najee Harris, 16 carries for 63 yards. George Pickens, four receptions for 86 yards. I'm going to tell you, the Steelers' team right now sitting at 7-5, and five, right? 
they're going to struggle. They're going to struggle. And now I think they're seven and six uh, after this past Thursday night. They're going to struggle to win football games with Mitch Trubisky at the quarterback position. And and a lot of fans are calling for Mike Tomlin's head. I don't think they should be. This man has not had uh, the pieces at his disposal to really be successful there. I know everybody wants to point toward, well, Kenny Pickett was a first-round quarterback. Yeah, but Kenny Pickett wasn't even that good in the first place. Okay, so here we are. And, and the Steelers are, are dropping one to the Cardinals. And, and look, a lot of people are seeing the Cardinals and saying, oh, well, you dropped one to the Cardinals. They were 3-10. and 10. Well, they're 3-10. and 10. Well, well, yeah, they're 3-10. and 10, But let's make it clear, they're 3-10 and 10 because Kyler Murray wasn't there. Kyler Murray is the, the essential piece to this whole thing. James Conner wasn't there. He's an essential piece to this whole thing. So, I mean, the, the Cardinals had a, a plethora of injuries. And that's the, one of our, our my tagline words. But anyway, a plethora of injuries on this team. And you expected them to be successful. And it's just not the case. And now now the, the Cardinals are showing some signs of life. We know they're not going to make the playoffs, folks. We know they're not going to get there. But let's be real. They're they're three and ten because and they, they have two wins in the last two weeks because Ky, or two wins in the last three weeks because Kyler Murray came back. That's all there is to it. And and Kyler Murray, whether anybody wants to admit it, is a pro level quarterback. Uh, I'm surprised that the Cardinals are playing him. I don't understand the point when you're 3-10 and 10 and you're not going to make the playoffs. But, hey, you know what? That sounds like a whole lot of a them problem. Uh, I think it's silly as hell. Uh, we've talked about that several times on this show. But the Cardinals get it done, man. 24-10 against the Steelers, um, and, and they're sitting at 3-10. and 10. Uh, Next up, the Dolphins go out and crush the Commanders 45-15. to 15. You know, uh, this was just a... a Bad game all around for the Commanders. The the Dolphins just look like king kings of the universe here. Devin A. Shane, man, welcome back to the show. 17 carries, 73 yards, two touchdowns on the day. Tyree Kill, though, man, he's the big story. Five receptions, 157 yards, two touchdowns, man. He is on pace. I think if he has something like 105 yards per game to finish out the season, that he's going to break that 2,000 mark that he was talking about. Uh, he just had a monster game, and you know what's crazy is he only played about 50% of the offensive snaps. It, this game got out of control. It got out of control quick. Uh, you know, the, the Dolphins, man, 17 points in the first quarter, 14 points in the second quarter. I mean, it was a beating. It was an absolute beating. When you're up 31-7 to at halftime, I mean, yeah, bench your starters. Let's, let's take this thing home. Uh, Tua Tungabeloa had a great game, 18 for 24, 280, two touchdowns. You know, the Washington defense hasn't really been anything special this year. They definitely regressed, and, and they also they, they traded away a lot of their big-time pieces, too. So, I mean, it, what was it, what did they expect? You trade away Sweat, and you trade away Chase Young, and, and then you wonder why our defense is so bad. I mean, the defense has been terrible. A lot of players right now, and, and that's another thing, a lot of players are bitching about uh, Eric Bieniemy. Maybe you should, you should be bitching about your defense because your, your offense – for a majority of the year has been good maybe not in this game but for a majority of the year the, the commander's offense has been damn good so i'm a little surprised by the fact that that people are bitching about eric the enemy and his hard-nosed coaching style you know what he should be the head coach in the washington uh, uh with for the washington commanders he should be the head coach over there i don't understand why anybody is even remotely bitching about it riverboat ron has overstayed his welcome by about two years so uh, it's time. Eric Bieniemy should be the head coach over there. And if you got a problem with it, kick rocks because that guy is the real deal as an offensive coordinator. Okay, so you know that's just what it is at this point. 
But in this case, the Dolphins get the W here, 45-15. They, they go out and then dominate as they have a majority of the year. The commander's uh, defense, man, whew, man, they need some work. They need a new coordinator over there. They need a new head coach over there. I personally still think Eric Bieniemy is the guy, but maybe that's just me. Uh, next up, the Bucks beat the Panthers 21-18. They escape. Uh, you know, Bryce Young didn't look good again. Uh, 15 for 31, 178, one interception. Chuba Hubbard was the big story here. He is somehow, some way, found his footing as an RB1. We saw him come in in relief of, of uh, different running backs over the last couple of years. Chuba Hubbard, though, 25 carries for 104 and two touchdowns on the day. So he sort of found his footing, which is nice. Uh, on the other side, the Bucks. Baker Mayfield, 14 for 29. It was a terrible stat line, under 50% uh, uh, accuracy. Uh, just like Bryce Young, two awful quarterbacks. Uh, Bryce, Baker Mayfield, though, 202 yards, one touchdown, one pick. The big story to me, Rashad White found his footing. At the beginning of the year, it was looking like Rashad White was going to have himself a hard uh, hard year, and he sort of has, but he found his footing in the run game. 20 carries, 84 yards, he gets a touchdown, which is surprising because the Panthers' defense has been actually really, really good this year. Ezra Evero needs to be considered for a job, by the way. Uh, Rashad White also had three receptions for 22 yards. Also, big story here, Mike Evans, man, seven receptions, 162 yards. He has the touchdown on the day. And Mike Evans, for the 10th year in a row, has broken 1,000 yards. So that is good news. Uh, a lot of people were wondering whether or not he was going to be able to do it with Baker Mayfield. Yeah, he surpassed the 1,000-yard mark, which is huge uh, for him and his career. And he's, uh, I think, on his way to free agency. So the, the Bucks are going to be uh, you know, eating a shit burger here if they don't get that man signed. Mark my words. The Bucks get one done. They got a showdown coming up with the, uh, with the, uh, um, the Falcons here. So, I mean, it, it's going to be a tough one. The, the Bucks are sitting at 5-7. and seven. That whole division is god-awful in the NFC South. So, the Bucks, man, they, they still are in the running for the possibility of, of being the division winners there, which is surprising as all hell. But, hey, it is what it is. Uh, next up, you know what? This is one of those games that we got. We finally got to see what it would look like for a full-strength 49ers team to take on a full-strength Eagles team. And guess what? It was exactly what a lot of people predicted. The Niners go out and dominate the Philadelphia Eagles 42-19. Uh, to 19. Yes, you heard that right. Brock Purdy, man, had himself a game. But also, Debo Samuel had himself a game. Uh, we we got to... We got to mention that Brock Purdy, 19 for 27, 314, four touchdowns on the day, and it's a it's a gaudy stat line, and a lot of people are going to make a, a lot of hubbub about it. But make no mistake about it, Debo Samuel made a lot of plays with his legs in this game. Four receptions, 116 yards, two touchdowns. He would take a little little short pass and take it to the house. It was very impressive. Christian McCaffrey had a good game too, 17 carries, 93 yards. He got a touchdown. I mean, and, and he also had three receptions for 40 yards. I mean, the, the receivers were making plays with their legs against the Eagles, and the Eagles were giving them all kinds of real estate underneath. I mean, it was it was crazy to see. Uh, Debo Samuel also had three carries for 22 yards and a touchdown in this game, too. So, I mean, I, you know, a lot of people are uh, they're, they're, uh, uh, not giving the, the skill position players enough credit uh, and they're they're really leaning into the Brock Purdy love and I get it Brock Purdy threw four touchdowns so credit to him he's getting the ball where it needs to go which is great but 
I do think he owes a debt of gratitude to Debo Samuel, to Christian McCaffrey, and and it's it's worth mentioning uh, that those guys deserve a lot more credit than they've been getting. Um, but yeah, the Eagles, man, they they struggled. They struggled hard against this 49ers defense. The 49ers, man, they dominated the Eagles in this game. They they made it a point to try and keep Jalen Hurts in the pocket. They made it a point to not let him get outside. They made it a point to not let him, uh, uh, you know, get through the B gaps. They really had spies on him all day. I mean, it was crazy how they contained that man. And if you look at the score uh, from the second quarter onward, 14 points per quarter, second, third, and fourth quarter for the 49ers, just dominant fashion here. Uh, every every opportunity they had, it, it was dominant. And and while the Eagles won the time of possession battle, you know what? There was a lot of work getting done uh, by that 49ers offense and by that 49ers defense. It was true complimentary football and also one thing I want to point out, the third down efficiency for the 49ers, 8 for 11. That's that's pretty uh, impressive. Total yards, too, 456 yards, and they had 310 of it through the air. I mean, it's it was something to behold. But the Niners get this one done, and we got to see what would happen had they run into each other in the NFC title game last year with Brock Purdy on the field, how this thing could have gone and how this thing could have been different. The Niners get a bit of redemption. I want to see if this fully healthy 49ers team is going to be able to take that health into the playoffs and actually show everybody and remind everybody just who in the hell they are. The Niners are red hot right now. Get ready for it. Uh, Next up, the Rams go out and beat the Browns 36-19. Matt Stafford looked halfway decent in this game. 22 for 37, 279, three touchdowns on the day. The big story to me is Kyren Williams, baby. 21, or I'm sorry, uh, 21 carries for 88 yards and a touchdown. He also had uh, uh, three receptions for 24, uh, three receptions, 24 yards. Um, and Puka Nakua doing what he does best. He had four receptions, 105 and a touchdown. Cooper Cup, man, it almost feels like Cooper Cup is becoming kind of a wide receiver too, as far as this game goes. Puka Nakua, man, has been looking damn good this year. And and the more we see these two on the field together the more I see Puka Nakua getting a lot of the touches and getting a lot of the yards. Puka Nakua is coming off as wide receiver one, and it's interesting. Also, Demarcus Robinson, out of nowhere, the former Chief, four receptions, 55 yards, and a touchdown, too. So so he pops up on the stat sheet, and, and the Rams get one done. Meanwhile, on the Browns side, Joe Flacco drew the start, 23 for 44, 254, two touchdowns and a pick. Uh, Elijah Moore, uh, you know, he was he was picked up in the offseason. Amari Cooper goes down with an injury in this game. Elijah Moore, four receptions, 83 yards. Uh, Harrison Bryant, five receptions, 49 yards. To Joe Flacco's credit, coming in on a, a limited practice time, for him to show up and actually be as successful as he was, I know this is a longtime quarterback, this is a long-tenured veteran, but, you know, he doesn't have a lot of skill position players at his disposal. Let's be real. I mean, Kareem Hunt's very good. But, I mean, like, Elijah Moore. He's throwing it to Elijah Moore, Harrison Bryant, David Njoku. I mean, these are not world beaters here. So to not have a guy like Amari Cooper on the field and still put up 254 yards, two touchdowns, and he did throw a pick in that game, but 254, two touchdowns, pretty impressive, especially against a Rams defense who will be harassing you and blitzing you all game long. Uh, nonetheless, the Rams get the W 36-19. The Browns, their playoff hopes are still alive, but so are the Rams. The Rams are 6-6. Six and six. Cleveland's 7-5 and five right now. I mean, 
it's gotten a little interesting here uh, with with all these quarterbacks going down and the Rams suddenly look relevant. That's interesting to see. Uh, next up, Sunday Night Football. The Packers surprise everybody and go out and beat the Chiefs 27-19. Uh, you know, at Lambeau, Jordan Love looked damn good. 25 for 36, 267, three touchdowns. To his credit, he has surprised the hell out of me after having a horrific start to the year. Uh, the last four games, he's been red hot. He's been the hottest quarterback for the last three weeks. And, and man, he has been impressive. AJ, and maybe they found figured something out over there. Who knows? AJ Dillon also, 18 carries, 73 yards. Romeo Dobbs, man, he, he had himself a nice little game there with four receptions for 72 yards. Christian Watson, seven for 71. Two touchdowns on the day for him. And, and you know, the, the Packers are humming here. And, and for them to hold the Chiefs to 19 points. Now, what I will say... Uh, well, first of all, Isaiah Pacheco, 18 carries, 110 yards, and a touchdown. Had himself uh, probably his one. I think it was his best game of the year. Uh, Patrick Mahomes, 21 for 33, 210, one touchdown, one pick. They, they contained this uh, uh, Chiefs offense extremely well, and and I, I will give the, the Packers the utmost credit for that. Uh, they contained them very well and, and took it down to the very last drive. The Chiefs had an opportunity to uh, score, try and score a touchdown, two-point conversion, tie this thing up. They couldn't get it done. Now, I will say, you know, and, and I don't like the idea of blaming referees for your wins and losses. You want to win a game, you're going you're gonna, to uh, uh, not put it in the referee's hands, right? That's just how it's going to go. You're not going to put it in the referee's hands. Uh, in this case, you know, the, the Chiefs put it in the referee's hands, and the referees screwed them. I mean, at the end of the day, I mean, uh, let's be real. Uh, uh, the, the Packers corner was basically riding the, the receiver all the way down and, and it should have been pass interference. The Chiefs should have been you know, at the two-yard line and on that very last drive. Should have been defensive pass interference all day long, which the Chiefs at the two and with the opportunity to win. Uh, they didn't get afforded that opportunity. It was a non-call. Uh, for Roger Goodell to say the NFL officiating has been better than it's ever been is a joke to me. I, I just I stand by that, but the Packers they get away with one here, and and kudos to them for for getting it done. The Chiefs, man, can't put it in the zebra's hands. I get to you have Patrick Mahomes on your team, and and maybe they'll lean your way a little bit, but it's still the Packers. They're still one of the sweethearts of the NFL, uh, so the, your those non calls are going to happen when you're over there in Lambeau. Uh, trust me, I know. Uh, and last but not least, Monday Night Football, the Bengals. Squeak one out against the Jags, 34-31. Sort of a surprising thing. The Jags, man, they, they it was weird to see Jake Browning play this well. 32 for 37, 354 and a touchdown. Joe Mixon, 19 carries for 68 yards, two touchdowns. Jamar Chase has hit one of his best games of the year. 11 receptions for 149 yards and a touchdown. Jake Browning looked like a world beater in this game. And I don't know if it was just, if that's a condemnation on the Jags defense or what. But Jake Browning looked like a world beater. Uh, Trevor Lawrence, 22 for 29, 258, two touchdowns. Travis Etienne had 11 carries for 45 yards and a touchdown. And Evan Ingram, man, this is what we were waiting for. Nine receptions, 82 yards and a touchdown. He got real hot down the stretch last year. Now here we are. He's getting hot down the stretch. Uh, Trevor Lawrence did go down in this game. C.J. Bethard wound up, wound up coming onto the field. I feel like this game may have been more competitive Uh as far as as the uh, the Jags go, if C.J. Bathard didn't have to come out of the field when with Trevor Lawrence going down with the high ankle sprain, I feel like this would have been the Jags game, you know. But the Jags they they wind up losing one, and they they go eight and four. 
Um, the Bengals are up to 6-6 six and six now, so they're still in the playoff picture. But no, to me, it's no Joe Burrow. You're probably not making the playoffs. Let's, let's be real. Uh, but at the end of the day, hey, they pulled this one out. Uh, T. Higgins did make his return. He only had three receptions for 36 yards in this game. But the Bengals, they found a way. They found a way, and uh, they're still their playoff hopes are still alive in spite of the fact that Jake Browning is their quarterback. And those are your scores uh, for Week 13 in the NFL. Moving forward, I want to I want to talk a little bit about um, our pl- top performers for the week. Uh, this one is going to be interesting. Okay, folks, I I know that a lot of people are not going to like what I've got on this list. But I am going to make everybody very, very happy um, at the end of the day. Okay? This is the, the truth of the matter. The honorable mention, and, and th- I know this, this is going to hurt a lot of people for me to say this. A lot of 49ers fans are going to be very upset that I'm saying this. The honorable mention is Brock Purdy. I know. Think about that. Guy threw for four touchdowns. But the thing is, is he was 19 for 27, 314 yards, four touchdowns. And it was it's worth mentioning. But it's also worth mentioning that that uh, there were skill position players that were making plays with their legs um, that, you know, really he, he benefited from. His stat line benefited from guys making plays with their legs. His skill position guys were the reason that, that he had the stat line that he did. And uh, yeah, that's that's just what it comes down to. I, I I believe that wholeheartedly. So Brock Purdy winds up as our honorable mention in this in this whole thing. Believe it or not, uh, number ten goes to Chuba Hubbard. Uh, Twenty five carries, hundred and four yards, two touchdowns on the day. Chuba had himself a really nice day. He's finally found his footing as a running back and and an RB one. Uh, he comes in in relief, and there he is. Chuba Hubbard comes in at number ten. Number nine goes to James Conner, 25 carries, 105 yards, two touchdowns on the day. Uh, James Conner, the big homecoming for him. We talked about it earlier. He rocked it for the Cardinals this week, so we'll give it to James Conner. Uh, number seven, I'm sorry, number eight goes to Isaiah Pacheco, uh, 18 carries, 110 yards, and a touchdown, his biggest game of the year. Uh, man, Isaiah Pacheco getting it done. You got to love that. Uh, he had himself an outstanding day, uh, and and. He's such a violent runner for the Chiefs, really. And and when he's when he gets the ball in his hands, and and there were there was a physical matchup, by the way. There were a couple occasions where I thought Isaiah Pacheco was going to get hurt in that game versus the Packers. But you know when he gets the ball in his hands, man, it's like a bowling ball. That man is a dangerous runner. Guys need to get the hell out of the way because Isaiah Pacheco is a bulldozer. So people need to start paying attention more to him. Great game for him with the 18 carries, 110 yards, and a touchdown. Uh, number six. Goes to Debo Samuel. Four receptions, 116 yards, two touchdowns. Making plays with his legs. He also made a play on the ground, man. Uh, he had uh, three carries, 22 yards, and a touchdown. He had himself a hell of a game. Debo making play, big plays with his legs though, every step of the way. And he looked like every bit of the superstar that he is. So Debo Samuel winds up at number six. Uh, number, I'm sorry, at number seven, rather. Number six goes to Sam Laporta. Uh, Sam Laporta has nine receptions, 140 yards, and a touchdown. He is a beneficiary of that Ben Johnson system, taking good care of him over there. Laporta is it has turned into or turned one of the best pass catching tight ends. I want to see if he can do it outside of that Ben Johnson system. 
you know Ben Johnson, the likelihood of him leaving after this season is pretty high. And yeah, Laporta, man, he gets nine receptions, 140, and a touchdown in this game. Uh, next up, Jamar Chase, 11 receptions, 149, and a touchdown. This was one of the biggest games of the year for Jamar Chase, if not the biggest. And he does it with Jake Browning at quarterback? What the hell are we doing here? But in any case, Jamar Chase, man, had himself a hell of a game. Uh, 11 receptions, 149, and a touchdown is nothing to sneeze at. But we've got four guys, believe it or not, with 11 receptions, 149 yards, and a touchdown, there are four receivers, and they're all receivers. It's a big receiving week. Higher than that. Number four goes to Mike Evans. Seven receptions, 162 yards, and a touchdown, man. He showed up. Mike Evans breaks 1,000 yards, winds up as number four on the list. He's, he's a great receiver. He's a Hall of Fame guy as far as I'm concerned. I think he's got a, a Hall of Fame pedigree, and he's going to end up be, having at Boston Canton. So get ready for that. Uh, he's been a hell of a player for a while now. Number three goes to my boy. I love him. Tyreek Hill, nine receptions, 152 yards, two touchdowns on the day. I love Tyreek Hill, especially having him in fantasy football, which I have him in two out of the three leagues that I'm in. And, man, he blew up the stat sheet this last week, and I loved every second of it. Tyreek Hill, baby, five receptions, 152 yards, two touchdowns. And, mind you, this is with Tyreek Hill playing 50% of the snaps. Isn't that something? Uh, number two goes to DK Metcalf, six receptions, 134 yards, three touchdowns on the day. There's the DK Metcalf we've come to know and love. Uh, Geno Smith throwing the ball effectively, but getting it to DK, he is the playmaker on that team. They needed to be using him more. They haven't been using him for shit all year long. And finally, they get DK Metcalf rocking and rolling. He shows up, uh, six receptions for 134 yards and uh, three touchdowns. So that is a uh, um, uh, that is a an excellent stat line from from old DK. Number one though goes to a guy I was blown away by in this uh, in this most recent game. Nico Collins, nine receptions, 191 yards, and a touchdown. Nobody saw this coming, but as soon as Tank Dell went down. You know what? C.J. Stroud kind of focused in on his guy and said, all right, Nico, you're my dude. Nine receptions, 191 and a touchdown. A huge game for Nico Collins. And uh, he tops out the uh, the uh, top performances for the week. So that is that. Moving on to our rookie rankings. The rookie rankings, uh, you know, things got shaken up just a little bit here, especially with the Tank Dell injury. Uh, Tank Dell gets hurt. He's on IR. He gets zero catches, zero yards. He's done for the year. Look, I would love to keep Tank Dell on this list for one or two more weeks, but I figured, you know what? Let's not waste everybody's time, okay? I love Tank Dell. There's no doubt in my mind that if Tank Dell was continuing to play for the rest of the season that he would remain on this list, but we know good and well that Tank was going to fall off this list because of his lack of playing time for the next several weeks because of the fact that he's hurt and he's on IR, he's not continuing, he's out. So, we have a new name on this list, but first let's talk about our honorable mentions. First and foremost, Joey Porter Jr., he's a good strong tackler. His coverage grades have been very middle of the road, so he's sitting on the bottom of the honorable mentions. Jordan Addison still on the, the honorable mentions. He's on a bye week, so his stuff doesn't get affected. Demario Douglas, um, you know, he's a good player, but bad quarterback play continues to hold him down and off of this list. I swear, if he had a better quarterback, he would be much higher on this list. 
And uh, the top guy on the honorable mentions right now, and I know this is going to really upset Boots, but Jameer Gibbs, he's still playing second fiddle to Montgomery over there in Detroit. He's been a non-factor in the past game uh, versus the Saints this last, or he was uh, against the Saints this last week. He had negative six yards through the air. Um, Jameer Gibbs just, you know, I, I don't buy Jameer Gibbs. I've been very clear about that on this show. I think he's uh, overhyped and overrated. But Jameer Gibbs, you know, he's still uh, an honorable mention guy. He still hasn't made it on this list. Maybe he'll make it on by the end of the year, Boots. I know you're out there listening. Um, but next up, let's talk about our top 10. Number 10 goes to a guy that, you know, he kind of flew under the radar, but then when I looked at his numbers, I said this guy needs to be on this list. Uh, number 10 goes to Zay Flowers, the wide receiver for the Baltimore Ravens out of Boston College. 74.9 PFF grade, 73.1 receiving grade, a 77.4 rushing grade. He's been the number one receiver in Baltimore this season and has produced rock-solid numbers. Per Pro Football Focus, Flowers is the most elusive receiver in the class and has racked up a whopping 17 forced missed tackles. Think about that. That's wild. Number nine goes to a guy that's been on this list. He's been kind of swaying near the bottom. He was around the middle of the, the top ten, but he has plummeted, but now he's coming back up. Three weeks straight, Keanu Benton, the de defensive lineman for the Steelers out of the University of Wisconsin. Three weeks straight, Keanu Benton's grades have risen. He's got a 75.3 PFF grade, a 60.3 run defense grade, a 76.8 pass rush grade. All of his grades have popped up for the third week in a row. Uh, particularly in the run defense area, per pro football focus over that span, over the last three games, he's earned an impressive 81.7 run defense grade, which is the sixth highest at the position and is one of just seven first-year defenders to earn a positive grade on more than 20% of their run defense snaps. So Keanu Benton is figuring it out here uh, where we weren't sure if he was going to, but he is. Uh, number eight, Ivan Pace Jr. He was on the bye week. He's the linebacker for the Minnesota Vikings out of the University of Cincinnati. He has a 70.9 PFF grade, 58.3 run defense, an 80.2 pass rush grade, and a 67.9 coverage grade. He has been on the cusp of being overtaken by Keanu Benton. If Benton has another really good week, we might see Ivan Pace kind of take a tumble down this list a little bit, maybe even off the list. Who knows? But we need to see more out of Ivan Pace Jr. Um, number seven goes to Rasheed Rice. Man, uh, he's been rock solid uh, on this list. He's been hovering between the five and seven range, uh, the wide receiver for the Kansas City Chiefs out of SMU. He has an 84.2 PFF grade, an 83.2 receiving grade, and a 60 rushing grade. Sounds high, but and he had a decent st uh, stat line of eight receptions for 64 yards. You know, it, it, and most of it was created by yak yards due to a... Um, a low average depth of target by Patrick Mahomes when throwing the ball to him. He still had an all right day versus a surging Packers team. He was making a lot of plays with his legs. I think Rasheed Rice is the number one receiver over there. I mean, albeit Travis Kelsey is tight end one, and he's the guy that gets all the first looks. But the reality is, is I think as far as receivers go on that team, Rasheed Rice is the number one. He should be the number one. He should be considered the number one. Uh, and, and he's a great receiver. They need to utilize him more than they have. And, and if he gets more utilization than what he has been getting, we might be talking about Rasheed Rice as wide receiver one over there and actually, you know, a, a top wide receiver in the league. But as long as I believe that as long as Travis Kelsey is there getting all of the looks and targets and all of the attention that he's been getting, you know, we're, we're kind of in, in Mahomes and Kelsey land, and that's what it is. So... We're going we're gonna to see how it, it works out um, in the long run. But at the end of the day, 
Rasheed Rice winds up at number seven. Jumping up a couple of spots is Sam Laporta, the uh, tight end for the Detroit Lions out of the University of Iowa. He has a 74.7 PFF grade, 77.5 receiving grade. He produced his highest grade, a 90.7 overall grade of the year. Um, you know, and, and it's uh, he did it versus a Saints defense that's actually pretty tough. Uh, he had nine receptions for 140 yards and a touchdown. So Laporta jumps up a little bit, jumps up to number six, and winds up higher on the list there. Number five. Comes to a falling Jalen Carter, the defensive tackle for the Eagles out of the University of Georgia. Look, he's got an 89.9 PFF grade. He's got a 70 run defense grade and 85.4 pass rush grade. But let's be real. The last two weeks, Jalen Carter has struggled. This last week, he struggled against the 49ers offensive line as a whole. The only thing that kept his grades from sinking more harshly was a strong tackling grade. He tackled incredibly well. But when it came to his pass rush, when it came to his run defense, he was just kind of meh. It was just, it wasn't very good for Jalen Carter at the defensive tackle position. Uh, he wasn't getting a lot of wins at that front at that front spot. So Jalen Carter falls down this list. He winds up at number five. And the guy that pops up ahead of him, a guy we've been talking a lot about, Will Anderson Jr., the edge rusher out of the universe or out of uh, for the Houston Texans out of the University of Alabama. He's got an 80.7 PFF grade, an 80 run defense grade, 73.3 pass rush, a 70 coverage grade. He saw an uptake, uh, uptick on his grades across the board this last week. He produced his highest overall grade of the year, along with an 82.8 pass rush grade versus Denver. Will Anderson Jr. is the, re the real deal. He's been Mr. Consistent. When the Houston Texans went up and picked him, they picked up a great player. He was excellent in this game against Denver, and he deserves all the credit in the world for uh, his performance there. Number three goes to C.J. Stroud. He falls one spot, the quarterback for the Houston Texans out of the out of Ohio State University. Uh, he has an 84.6 PFF grade, an 81.2 passing grade, a 76 rushing grade. He had a really rough game versus Denver. Uh, he only produced a 58.7 grade in that game. Currently leading, he is leading the NFL in passing yards, but his grades did drop considerably last week. He struggled last week against Denver. So Stroud winds up in, winds up in uh, spot number three on this list. Number two, Puka Nakua jumps up to two. Puka Nakua, the wide receiver for the Rams out of BYU, an 86.7 PFF grade, 84.6 receiving grade, 90 rushing grade. He saw an uptick in his grades last week, primarily because of his rushing grade skyrocketing after getting two of his five attempts on the season last week. But he still is going for an 87.8 um, uh, uh Rushing grade against Cleveland, which is a tough defense. He still had a very strong game last week through the air with four receptions for 105 yards and a touchdown and an 82 receiving grade against a tough Cleveland defense. Puka Nakua looked damn good, and he popped up this list up to number two. Nakua deserves all the credit in the world, and, and the fact that he you know pops up above C.J. Stroud should come as no surprise to anybody given what has currently gone on. And number one, you know, he's still sitting there. He had a rough game in a shootout versus Dallas, but Devin Witherspoon, the corner for the Seattle Seahawks out of the uh, University of Illinois, 82.2 PFF grade, an 82.8 run defense grade, a 91.4 pass rush grade, 76.3 coverage grade. You know, the Thursday night shootout against Dallas was was rough. He finished uh, week 12 with 80-plus grades in every category, though, last week. This week, his grades drop a little bit. He still ranks among the top 10 at the position and forced in completions with five I'm sorry, forcing completions, he's fifth, uh, sacks first, and run stops ninth per pro football focus. So 
you know, Devin Witherspoon still sitting pretty at that number one spot. He has Puka kind of nipping at his heels. He's got C.J. Stroud kind of nipping at his heels here. And I want to see if, if C.J. Stroud or Puka Nakua are going to be able to steal that number one spot because Devin Witherspoon, he, he slipped a little bit, and now he's he's vulnerable. That spot, that number one spot is vulnerable. Will Anderson, too, by the way. If he continues his, his trend upward, we could see Will Anderson being our rookie of the year for the show. So we'll see how that works out. But as it turn as it comes down, Devin Witherspoon winds up sitting at the number one spot still um, with, with Puka and CJ Stroud nipping at his heels. Uh, so there's that. Um, now jumping into our news and notes around the league, let's talk about it. Uh, you know, we let's let's talk about the big elephant in the room. The Vikings have activated Justin Jefferson. He is set to play Sunday versus the Raiders. Uh, they've also named Josh Dobbs as their quarterback uh, for the upcoming games or for the upcoming game against the Raiders, which I think is probably the smartest new move uh, for them to be doing after the bye week. Uh, Kevin O'Connell has come out and said that he has tailored the system more toward uh, Josh Dobbs' uh, skill set, which I think is very smart on his end. Okay, But it's going to be interesting to see what Josh Dobbs does with a full arsenal, okay? You had Jordan Addison and TJ Hawkinson out there. Let's face facts. The running game isn't anything special in Minnesota, okay? Alexander Madison ain't it. Ty Chandler, he's better than Madison, but I think Ty Chandler's sort of a high-end RB, too. I think he's better than Madison, but hey, I digress. But the Vikings' run offense has not been good. Uh, It'll be nice to have Justin Jefferson out there to spread the, the, you know, spread out the secondary a little bit there. Brandon Powell's been a nice little pleasant surprise, kind of a happy accident there having him. But I want to see what Josh Dobbs, do- Josh Dobbs does with a full arsenal at his disposal, a fully healthy team. It's going to be exciting to see. So hopefully we see a better version of Josh Dobbs than we've seen in the last four, uh, three weeks here, or last two weeks here, where he's had six turnovers in two weeks, including four in that la- four interceptions in that last game versus Denver, which was abysmal. So we're going to see what Josh Dobbs can do. But, yeah, at, at the end of the day, Josh Dobbs named the starting quarterback, and he'll be throwing that ball over to Justin Jefferson. Very excited to see uh, that um, go down. Now, as far as uh, receivers go that, that quarterbacks won't have, Tyrod, I'm sorry, uh, Tank Dell, wide receiver Tank Dell for the Houston Texans, he suffered a fractured fibula versus the Broncos. He'll miss the remainder of the season placed on IR. Uh, C.J. Stroud will not have his best receiver at his disposal for the rest of the year, which is rough. I, I love Tank Dell, a uh, bootleg B-team guy that, that Boots just fell in love with. Um, Tank, man, he's been a special receiver. There was no doubt in my mind that he was going to be a 1,000-yard receiver this year had he continued that torrid pace he was on. Um, he's a special player, and uh, I think he's one of the best receivers in the league right now, to be honest with you. I think he was trending toward wide receiver one uh, for Houston, and uh, they, they need to, to continue to feed that man the football when he does get healthy and he comes back next year. My hope is that C.J. Stroud really continues to throw him the football because he was absolutely electric uh, this last year or this, this season. So I'm um, very excited to see Tank Dell back next year. But unfortunately this year, uh, that, that fractured fibula puts him on the shelf. So uh, get well soon, Tank Dell. Uh, another guy that's uh, kind of that's not going to be seen for the rest of the year. Jets quarterback Aaron Rodgers is unlikely to play this season, despite early reports stating that he may. Uh, 
probably for the best to not rush yourself back from, you know, an Achilles tear. You know, that's that's probably the best. Um, the Jets are set to start Zach Wilson this week versus the Texans on Sunday. They have since released Tim Boyle after two two starts. I didn't understand the logic of, of starting Tim Boyle in the first place. Tim Boyle was a third stringer for Detroit. He was terrible. We've seen how he plays. I, he's not better than Zach Wilson, and, and that says a lot. Zach Wilson is awful. So I, I don't understand the logic of having Tim Boyle on the field, but the, the Jets decided, oh, okay, that's, that's going to be our guy for two weeks, and we're just going to piss away two weeks of football. Didn't make a whole lot of sense to me. Um, no Aaron Rodgers coming back. Zach Wilson makes his return, <clears throat> and here we go. You know, the Jets are, are you know, going to see this thing out for better or for worse, but I think the Jets might be in the market for a quarterback coming coming into the draft um, to sit behind Aaron Rodgers because I think everybody kind of knows now Zach Wilson ain't it. Well, I, I think we know that. Um, next up, Giants quarterback Tyrod Taylor is designated to return from IR, but the team may be sticking with Tommy DeVito. Look, there's been some weird excitement about Tommy DeVito, but let's not get it twisted. Tommy DeVito is not a good quarterback. I don't understand all this hype about him. Uh, the Giants won a couple of games with him, you know, living with his mom and dad and stuff. But look, Tommy DeVito should not be getting the hype that he's getting right now. He's getting like the last year's Mike White hype that I like to call it. You remember Mike White for the Jets? Yeah, he's getting that kind of hype. He is not a good quarterback. Please, for the love of God, if you have Tyrod Taylor, you start Tyrod Taylor. I, ignore the noise, Giants. Ignore the noise. Tyrod Taylor's your guy. So hopefully we'll see Tyrod Taylor back on the field for the Giants. But if not, don't be surprised. The Giants uh, organization is a dumpster fire anyway. So it wouldn't surprise me if we didn't. Uh, also, Saints quarterback Derek Carr left the game versus the Lions um, with uh, a, a potential concussion. He was in concussion protocol. He also suffered a back injury um, after a sack from Bruce Irvin. Man, his head snapped back. He hit the ground hard. Bruce Irvin dropped all of his weight on him. It was ugly. It was an ugly scene. Uh, Derek Carr comes off the field. Jameis Winston trots on, takes over the, the starting quarterback role. Right now, Carr is listed as questionable. We'll see how things go this upcoming week. Um, for the Saints' sake, you would hope that Derek Carr plays, but then at the same, because, I mean, Jameis Winston was not good this last week either. So, you know, it is what it is at that point. So the the Saints lose their starting quarterback, and, uh, yeah, it gets uh, awful ugly from there. Next up, uh, Steelers quarterback Kenny Pickett. He did undergo ankle surgery. He will not be placed on IR, weirdly enough. Mitchell Trubisky draws a disastrous start on Thursday night football versus the Patriots. Uh, spoiler alert, the Steelers beat the Patriots. Or, I'm sorry, the uh, uh, Patriots beat the Steelers uh and they're two and ten. Well, now they're three and ten. I think, right? I mean, it's it's a miserable experience. Bailey Zappi looked like a world beater. In the meantime, Mitch Trubisky looked every bit of awful that he's looked for the last several years. So, yeah, here we are. Just take it all in, folks. Next up. Jaguars quarterback Trevor Lawrence suffers a high ankle sprain versus the Bengals. We talked about that a little bit earlier. He leaves the game. He's questionable to play Sunday versus the Browns, but he does see, say his uh, ankle is feeling a lot better. Uh, so we might see Trevor Lawrence rather than C.J. Bethard. Uh, 
I'm hoping we see Trevor Lawrence instead of C.J. Pathard for the sake of the Jags because, good Lord, what an awful, awful quarterback C.J. Pathard is. I mean, a lot of people would argue he's a high-end backup. He ain't Trevor Lawrence. Let me, let me just make that clear. He is not Trevor Lawrence. But I digress. Trevor Lawrence, high ankle sprain. We might see him this week. Who knows? But he is questionable to play this upcoming week. Uh, next up, Bengals wide receiver T. Higgins did return from an ankle and hamstring injury to play versus the Jags. He's uh, going to be getting more and more reps over the next couple of weeks. Good to see him back on the field. So the Bengals have their one-two punch. Jamar Chase T. Higgins back. The downside is Jake Browning's throwing the ball, although he did look like a world beater this last week against the Jags. So we'll see how that works out. But T. Higgins back. Good to see him back. I think he's a great receiver. He's getting ready to hit free agency in the offseason. Hopefully he signs somewhere that'll treat him properly because that man deserves a big money contract. Pay the man. Just pay him. Uh, next up, kicker Robbie Gold has announced his retirement after 18 seasons. We won't see him anymore. Gold had a had stints with the Bears. He had stints with the, the Niners. His best stints came with the Niners. He was one of the most accurate kickers in the league with the 49ers. And uh, here we are, 18 seasons later, uh, Robbie Gold goes and retires. Hey, have a, have a great retirement, Robbie. He deserves every bit of it. He was a great kicker in this league for a while, so good for him. Speaking of kickers, the Rams have signed kicker Mason Crosby to the practice squad. Uh, the Rams have had their kicker struggles all year long. You know, Brett Maher coming in, and then they, I mean, they've had all kinds of struggles. I don't know that Mason Crosby's the answer. I think at his age, there's there's not a lot of power behind that leg. Um, there was a decent amount of accuracy behind the leg, but I don't know if there's a lot of power behind that leg. I'm a little surprised that they went out and signed Mason Crosby. There's better kickers out there. I mean, let's be real. There's better kickers out there. I, 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 I would, uh, I, I would rather have you know, Cairo Santos, at this point, than Mason Crosby. For real, I, I just I don't understand what it is about you know they see these veteran veteran kickers and they get like super excited and they sign them or these veteran players that that are way past their prime and, and oh no we're gonna go sign them look Joey Sly you know you could have uh, uh, harassed you know Washington about that during the trade deadline Zane Gonzalez is out there right now how about how about Rodrigo Blankenship. I would love Rodrigo Blankenship. He had a he had a couple of bad. I don't understand it. The guy had a couple of bad games versus versus uh, um, or when he was playing for the Colts, and now nobody wants to touch a guy with a ten foot pole. He's one of the best kickers out there. You should be signing Rodrigo Blankenship right now. I don't get it. Um, Michael Badgley's out there. Badgley's a good kicker. He got released for no reason. Austin Siebert, Ryan Suckups out there. Josh Lambo's out there. Uh, Cody Parkey's out there. I, I mean, there there are. Plenty of of uh, uh, good good kickers out there. Aldrich Roses is out there. I mean, why are we we settling on Mason Crosby? It just doesn't make sense to me. But maybe that's just me. But they pick up Mason Crosby as their kicker. Um, good for them, I guess. Uh, they they struggled with Brett Maher earlier on in the year. He wound up getting his yips again. So uh, yeah, we'll we'll see how it works out. But Mason Crosby on the practice squad. We'll see if he makes his way up to the main roster. Uh, next up, the Dolphins go out and they sign offensive tackle Austin Jackson to a three-year, $36 million extension. He gets a maximum of $39 million with his incentives, $20.7 million contract, uh, or, uh, I'm sorry, $20.7 million guaranteed on the contract, rather. 
Austin Jackson's been great for the, the Dolphins. He's been protecting Tua Tungabailoa very well. Uh, he deserves a ton of credit. Um, and, and really, this is a great contract because Austin Jackson is a good offensive tackle, but they're signing for him for a very reasonable deal. Because on the high end of this deal with his incentives, he gets $13 million a year. You know, really, really high-end offensive tackles normally, normally are making around 19 to 20. So this is actually a really good deal, and getting Austin Jackson signed to a three-year, $36 million deal, $13 million a year, that's very reasonable. And and it keeps the cap relatively low. You don't got to worry about too much there. That's a pretty nice contract. And I partially, I think Austin Jackson kind of looks at it and says, hey, you know what, I'm on a team that's a winner too. So and and the the likelihood of Miami going the distance could be pretty high. Miami's been a great team this year, and I think they're only getting better now that Jalen Ramsey's back too. The defense is looking a lot stronger. This is kind of an interesting thing. I love this signing. I think the Dolphins good on them for getting that that deal done when you got it done before the market escalated even further. So the, it's a, you, early bird gets the worm here. This is a very, very smart contract. That was a sweetheart of a deal for the Dolphins, and they get a great player coming back. Um, the Eagles, uh, speaking of signings, the Eagles go out and they sign Shaq Leonard to a one-year deal, and right now the Eagles are also currently courting defensive tackle and Dominican Sue. Uh, first and foremost, we'll start with Shaq Leonard. Uh, Shaquille Leonard, he, he got uh, let go by the Colts for seemingly no reason at all. He's one of the best linebackers in the league. When the Eagles signed him, it was just the rich getting richer. And uh, here we are. Uh, Shaquille Leonard winds up uh, with a, a great Eagles team. And, and the Eagles, I think, right after that 49ers game, realized we got trouble in paradise. And they wound up, went out and picked up a star player. I was a little surprised they didn't pick up Adrian Amos when he got dropped by the Jets uh, last week. But, hey, and Adrian Amos, by the way, has signed with the Houston Texans while we're on that, uh, that topic. But, yeah, I was surprised they didn't jump all over that because they, do need a, they did need a safety um, I'm also a little surprised that they're courting in Dominican Sue. I really don't feel like that's a need for the Philadelphia Eagles. But hey, you know, if, if that's what they want to do, the, Sue does have a familiarity with the Eagles. He did play with the Eagles in the past when they uh, signed both him and Linval Joseph to be their defensive tackles last year. So, I mean, yeah, they, they could be looking for a little bit extra oomph on the pass rush, in the pass rush department. Uh, to go alongside a Jalen Carter. It might be a little bit of a pass rush package there. And Dominican Sue is still a very good player. He wants to play for a winner. Hey, get him a contract. You know, let's see what he can do. And and I'll tell you what, the Eagles, by the way, are the masters of controlling the salary cap, man. It's wild how they just manipulate the cap at will. What a what an experience to see all how that how all that's going down. Um, we got some coach stuff going on here as well. First and foremost, the Titans fire special teams coordinator Craig Ackerman after the loss to the Colts. They elevate Tom Quinn to take over the role. Uh, the firing, it kind of comes on the heels of, of the game versus the, uh, the Colts there. Uh, Tennessee had a blocked punt, and it was returned for a touchdown, and then another punt resulted in a fumble and an injury to Ryan Stonehouse. And then there were two turnovers. Those two turnovers produced nine points for Indianapolis and the Colts' uh, win there when they came back. And, and it uh, forced the Titans to turn over to veteran uh, kicker Nick Folk to handle the punting duties because Stonehouse was hurt. Um, backup quarterback Ryan Tannehill replaced Stonehouse as the team's holder for the field goals, and which led also to Nick Folk's missed point attempt. 
which contributed to the game's progression in overtime and Tennessee's eventual defeat. Uh, you know, the Titans, they are just a mess right now, an absolute mess. Um, they're, they're, they're reaching for quarterbacks, and they, they can't. They're, they're old mother, mother Hubbard with nothing in the cupboard. Will Levis had his, a strong debut and has floundered ever since. He, and, and he kind of showed everybody that he's still a, a rookie trying to figure it out. And, and we, we kind of learned that Will Levis, he is who we thought he was. you know. And, and a lot of people didn't want him in the draft, and now we're seeing why. And then on top of it, you look over at the Titans with their special teams gaffes from last game, and, and it's no wonder that Ackerman got let go. Um, Mike Vrabel doesn't, doesn't play those types of games. You know, he says, no, 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 you're either going to get the job done or you're not. And, uh, yeah, Ackerman clearly wasn't getting the job done for the Titans, so they let him go. And, uh, yeah, Quinn comes up to take over as the special teams coordinator, so we'll see how things work out. Hopefully Ryan Stonehouse is okay. Uh, we'll have to check on his status moving into each game or into the games for this uh, Sunday. Uh, also, Cowboys head coach Mike McCarthy underwent surgery for an acute appendicitis. He still anticipates coaching on Sunday. I'll tell you what, for as much shit as we give Mike McCarthy here, um, let me just tell you, Mike McCarthy, we've got to give him some credit here for, you know, it takes a lot of balls to undergo surgery for appendicitis and then anticipate coaching on Sunday anyway. That takes a lot of guts. I mean, that's that is not a an easy surgery to recover from. <clears throat> so for him to be, uh, uh, you know, back up and running and, and trying to, to still coach his football team, it shows a lot of guts. It really does. And then uh, last but not least, sort of a, a, a horrible story. Bills linebacker Von Miller, uh, he was, had a warrant issued for his arrest for domestic violence uh, after he allegedly physically assaulted his, the mother of his children, who is currently pregnant. We, did, we talked about that last show. Uh, he did turn himself in. And uh, we're going to see where this goes as far as Von Miller goes. Um, obviously, the, the Bills have said that he's still going to play uh, and, and continue doing what he's doing. But Von Miller has been uh, was arrested. He's been released since on bond. And, and we're just going to see uh, how everything works out. But Von Miller, man, kind of even more, even more off-the-field bullshit for the Bills, who I feel like we've seen a lot, like way too much off-the-field shit uh, from them in the last several weeks. So there's that. The uh, the Bills dealing with, with more bullshit. That's that's exactly what it is. They're dealing with more bullshit. Um, now next up, let's jump into our picks. Uh, we got some interesting stuff going on. Uh, myself, I am in the lead again, continuing to be in the lead. Uh, I, am, I am currently sitting at uh, 118. 75 and 0. Alex is in second place, 117, 76 and 0. And Boots is at 116, 77 and 0. So everybody is kind of like nipping at each other's heels here. We're, we're all kind of uh, seeing where this shit goes. But as it comes down to it, you know, right now I've got the lead. The fellas have sent me their picks for the week. Um, so we're going to jump right into those. Um, so I've, I've got them all. And Boots left a, a few little funny notes for us uh, in his. Uh, in his uh, predictions here. So here are our predictions for week 14 in the NFL. Starting out with the Thursday night game, it was uh, Patriots and the Steelers. We all took the Steelers. We were all wrong. Uh, Mitch Trubisky, gross. Uh, he just had an awful game. We all took an L on that one. 
Uh, next up, Houston versus uh, the Jets. The Texans, man, have been really, really good lately. Yeah, I, I really just want to continue to ride that Houston Texans bandwagon. Go ahead and give me the Texans. Alex takes the Texans as well. Boots takes the Texans as well. He says, better QB defenses are a wash. And I think he's right. I think the Texans defense has been uh, weirdly good lately. And uh, But the offensively, it's all been all the story has been all about C.J. Stroud. But let's not forget that Texans defense has been very good. So, uh, yeah, we're going to all go three, all three go with the Texans. Next up, the Ravens and the Rams. I think the Ravens have been playing stupid good football lately. Uh, they deserve all the credit in the world. Baltimore coming off the bye and the better defense. I really want to just say uh, Ravens all day. And Alex and Boots agree. He says better defense coming off the bye as well. So there you go. Uh, next up, we got the Panthers and the Saints. This is just two bad teams taking each other on. And weirdly enough, uh, Boots is over here taking the Panthers. He says the Jameis Winston effect is going to be in, in full swing. Um, I'm going to take the Saints here. Alex is going to take the Saints as well. I don't care which quarterback it is, whether it's Jameis Winston or whether it's Derek Carr. Uh, the Saints are better than the Panthers. The Panthers are garbage. Uh, go ahead and give me the Saints. Um, next up, we're talking Colts and the Bengals. Uh, look, I, I don't know if I necessarily trust Jake Browning. He looked good in this last game against a, a decent Jags defense. I feel like it might be an anomaly. It's kind of a weird thing. I'm going to go ahead and go with the Colts. Uh, Alex is taking the Bengals. Boots also taking the Bengals. He says Browning looked good. Uh, I don't buy all that. Let, let's just see how it goes for another week. Give me the Colts. Uh, when it, they won four straight already. So I want to. I think they're going to continue that gravy train and move into 8-5. Next up, the Bucks and the Falcons. Uh, this one is... Kind of a shit show. Look, I, I think the Buccaneers' defense is really, really bad. I think the Falcons' defense is really, really good. But then I think that um, the the Dolph or the Falcons' offense is really, really bad. But the uh, you know, I, I it's kind of like who's worse in in a lot of ways. I'm going with the Falcons here, um, and, and Boots agrees. So does Alex. Both of them say the Falcons. Boots says Falcons' defense is better. So, yep, we're kind of on the same page there. Next up, the uh, the Browns and the Jags. You know what? The Browns, kind of interesting, I guess, in a way. they eh, I, I don't really buy them. I'm going to go with the Jags here. I, I don't really buy this Browns team. People are making way too many, too, getting way too hyped about it, about Joe Flacco and company. Um Boots says Cleveland, how quickly things can change. I, he goes with the Browns. Mm-mm, I'm going Jags here. Uh, next next up, Chicago taking the Bears, taking on the Lions in Soldier Field. You know what? Uh, Alex takes the Lions. You know what? I'm going with the Bears. And so is Boots. They almost beat them before. Fuck it. We're going with the Bears, baby. That's what we want to do. Next up. The Niners versus the Seahawks, look, and, and Boots says San Francisco, uh-oh, yeah, I agree, San Francisco, uh-oh, you know, it's just, um, this Niners team is is brutal, they are brutal, and they are just tearing people to shreds, they're fully healthy, they're scary, they're in your face, giving the Niners all fucking day long. Uh, next up, 
Vikings versus the Raiders. Uh, you know what? Boot says skull, baby. Guess what? I say skull as well, and so does Alex. I think the Raiders are just a bad team, and I don't trust them with Aiden O'Connell at the quarterback position. The Vikings defense is top 10 right now, and uh, Josh Dobbs going to have a full arsenal of weapons. The Raiders are horrible against the pass. We're going to see this Vikings team have a get-right game after the bye. This is going to be a special game for the Vikings in Vegas. Give me the Vikings all day. Um, next up, Broncos versus Chargers. You know, it, look, the, the Broncos have been red hot lately. They had a tough game versus a very tough Texas, uh, Houston Texans team. Um, I think the Broncos are going to be able to manhandle the Chargers here. Uh, and in and, and the words of Boots, and he put it even on the notes, Chargers going to Charger. Alex also taking the Broncos in this situation. Broncos across the board. Next up, Chiefs versus the Bills. This is going to be an interesting one. Joe Brady's offense has been uh, sort of improved. They haven't been getting Stephon Diggs as involved as we would like, though. Uh, you know... Alex takes the Bills in this situation. Boots takes the Chiefs here. He says, back-to-back -back losses? No way. You know what? I'm with him there. I'm going with the Chiefs. I think the Chiefs are, are going to have themselves a, a get-right game themselves here against the Bills team that has a lot of off-the-field bullshit going on, a lot of problems going on. This is not the same Bills team we've seen for the last three seasons. Go ahead and give me the Chiefs here. I think they've got the Bills number now. Next up. Eagles versus Cowboys. You know, this one could get ugly quick, fast, and in a hurry. The Eagles' passing defense has been terrible. And what, is the, the, what have the Cowboys been doing well? They've been throwing the ball really, really well. This is going to be a shootout. It's going to be a high-scoring affair. And if Dallas is smart, they're going to be watching that tape of the 49ers kicking the shit out of the Eagles last week, and they're going to put it to good use. Cowboys, for me... Alex takes the Eagles, Boots takes the Cowboys. He said, did I really just say that? Cowboys over Eagles, that's where I'm going. Next up, the Packers getting up against the Giants in New York. You know what? Give me the Packers. Packers are red hot right now. They've won four straight, uh, including a game against the reigning uh, champions. And by the way, Lions fans, they did it against the reigning champions when they were fully healthy. Um, I'm taking the Packers. Boots takes the Packers. He says, uh-oh, Detroit, look out. And uh, Alex also takes the Packers across the board. And last but not least, the Monday night football game, Titans and the Dolphins. Uh, you know, the Titans are a mess, an absolute mess. Their defense is terrible, especially against the pass. They think they've given up the fifth most points um, for uh, against opposing receivers. So, yeah, I think we're going to be talking about um, the Dolphins just having a blast over there, beating up on the Philadelphia Eagles. Give me the Dolphins on Monday Night Football. And with that, and, and Alex and Boots also take the Dolphins. Boots says, welcome back, Miami. Uh, the Dolphins looking every bit of great. Uh, and, and I just I can't wait to see how that, that offense looks. And, folks, that's our show. 
you know, I know it's tough doing these one-man shows. We've had to do them a handful of times, but don't you worry. Uh, next week we're going to have the guys back, and we're going to have ourselves a rapport here, uh, a fun time. Before I take off, I want to give a shout-out to uh, a few of our sponsors. First and foremost, let's talk about books. I Eat Cookies Out of the Trash. It's an inspirational guide written, guide written by Tammy Pruitt. It's based on all of her real-life experiences dealing with body image and eating issues. Um, and she shapes her book with her struggles and how to overcome them. And it's supported with research-based facts and accompanied by her professional advice. As a registered dietitian, she lets other know, others know that they're not alone in struggling with self-love, body image, and disordered eating. Uh, she's a wonderful author. She is a very intelligent woman, a, a wonderful human being. I've met her. She's fantastic. Um, and uh, I highly recommend this book to anybody who's been struggling with any sort of body issues or anything like that and confidence issues. This is something to give a read to. I ate cookies out of the trash. You can find it on Amazon. You can find it on BarnesandNoble.com, um, and and uh, you can find it uh, all online. I ate cookies out of the trash. Order it, baby. It's good shit. Uh, next up, let's talk about FaceKickedApparel.com. FaceKickedApparel. Sean Stockmeyer, his wonderful wife Lisa, doing all kinds of work, man, and they are loaded with all kinds of people calling them they want these custom shirts because they're the most high quality shirts and and whatnot around you want shirts hoodies hats um really anything you name it you pick it he sticks it over at fakeskickedapparel.com and as boots always says get your face kicked in with savings uh next up let's talk about it's your time massage our long time the og sponsor iytmassage.com amanda's a wonderful massage therapist she does outstanding work um if you need a massage, you want a Swedish deep tissue, she does CBD oil, she does cupping, anything you need, it's your time. Massage, get yourself a massage for the best massage therapist in the metro Detroit area. If you're looking for a, a way to relax and take good care of yourself, check her out, iytmassage.com, or you can find her on Facebook at It's Your Time Massage, LLC, um, and Amanda will take good care of you over there at It's Your Time Massage. Also want to give a shout out to Patch Miracle Photography, the high, most high-end um, uh, photographer uh, in uh, really anywhere in the metro Detroit area, but I, I just want to say anywhere in general. Um, Andrew Langland, his wonderful wife Chantel, they do awesome, awesome work. The most high quality photos that you could ask for. If you're looking for wedding photos, graduation photos, uh, first birthday pictures, maternity photos, engagement pictures, if you're looking to do a sexy special boudoir shoot for that special someone in your life, check it out, patchmiraclephotography.com. Andrew will take good care of you. I promise you he is the best of the best. Um, so check it out, patchmiraclephotography.com. Um, also, Steel Twins Gaming. Uh, Alex and his brother Andrew are getting ready to uh, jump into another Ace, Ace Attorney Chronicle, which I'm super excited for. Uh, I love those games. I love watching those guys play those games. I love their voice acting stuff. It is one of the most entertaining channels out there. Uh, you can find them on on Twitch. You can find them on Facebook. Their gaming streams are excellent, though. So check them out, Steel Twins Gaming. Also, a shout-out to our boy over there, No Shot Bot TV. No Shot Bot, uh, formerly known as Big Willie Dubs Gaming. Our boy Will having a blast over there doing his competitive stuff. And uh, I love being a part of his channel when I get the opportunity I recommend checking out No Shot Bot over there. He is a competitive gamer. He is a competitive guy, and he is a bad mother you-know-what. Um, so check him out, No Shot Bot TV. Will, man, doing some great stuff. A lot of, lot of Modern Warfare stuff going on over there right now, but I'm sure he's going to jump into the, uh, the rehashed um, 
Super Mario RPG at some point here. If I know Will, I have a feeling he's going to go that route. A lot of his stuff is newer, but man, I, I, I have a feeling there's going to be a retro game bug that's going to be jabbing him real soon. And with that, folks, that's that's our show. Um, I just want to thank everybody for listening. I know, like I said, we got the noise in the background with all the remodels going on. You got a one-man show going on, but that's okay. After this week, we will be back to normal. The studio will be put, will be put back together. All the hardwood floors will be done, and we'll be back to rocking and rolling. The boys will be back in town, and we will tear it up. But thank you so much for listening, and we will see you next week. Enjoy your week 14. And we'll see you next week right here on the Outside Blitz. Oh, wait, wait. There's there's lines here. Um, you're probably talking about us because we're the only thing to talk about. There we go. I think I got that one. Oh, wait. We got one more. Here we go. Ciao. I, I think I did that all right. That's pretty, pretty banging.